Will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, let our hearts long for your Son's arrival. Lord, as we wait for the celebration of his birth, and we look forward and welcome him into our hearts each day, let us also look forward to that day when he will return and set all things right. We pray this in his powerful name. Amen. For a number of years now, one of our kids' favorite uh, holiday specials on TV has been Curious George, A Very Monkey Christmas. Uh, And one of the songs in there says, Are you ready for Christmas Day to come? And the movie is all about shopping and getting presents and decorating and making sure you have the right tree and all these different things, getting ready for the season. But to be really ready for Christmas to come, you have to know who's coming. Christmas isn't ultimately about Santa coming in a sleigh. It's about a baby born in, the ma- in a manger. And like the kids said, Jesus... Christmas is about Jesus. Advent is this time of waiting, waiting for the arrival of a child and waiting for the return of our king. The Return of the King happens to be one of my favorite movies. It's based on the last book of the Lord of the Rings trilogy written by J.R.R. Tolkien. In the story, the people of Gondor had been waiting for their king to return. They thought that their line of kings had died out long ago, and their once mighty kingdom had become a shadow of itself. They were threatened by this enormous invading army of the evil lord of Mordor, and it seemed like all hope was lost. But at their moment of greatest need, their true king returned to claim his rightful throne. He led them to victory and established a peace, a time of peace and prosperity. So what does Tolkien's story have to do with the gospel? Everything. At the time that Matthew wrote his gospel, the people of Israel were waiting for their king to return. Their last king had died in exile in Babylon centuries before. King Herod was just a puppet controlled by Rome. The Roman army crucified anyone that opposed the emperor's rule. So the Jewish people for years had thought longingly about the days when David was their king. All of their enemies were defeated. They enjoyed peace and prosperity. And God had promised David that one of his descendants would always rule Israel. The people trusted that God's promise would not fail. They waited for the return of their king, a Messiah who would rescue them. I invite you to grab your Bibles, uh, if you brought them with you, or if you didn't, grab the one in front of you, and turn to Matthew chapter 1. In your pew Bibles, it's around page 1496 or so. As I talked about with the kids, Matthew begins his gospel with a long list of names. Uh, 
this is the uh, record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, of course, was the father of all the Israelites, the one that God promised to make into a great nation that would bless the whole world. Matthew traces the Israelite family tree from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob down to King David, on down to the time of the exile in Babylon, and then to Jesus of Nazareth. We never read that whole long list of names in worship, but we did hear Andrew Peterson sing it today in the children's sermon. I love that line, listen very closely, I don't want to, hear, I don't want to sing this twice. We find that long list of names incredibly boring. Uh, But for the people that Matthew was writing to, it was exciting because he was telling their family story. (laughs) How often do you sit around with family around the holidays and talk about people long ago? Uh, You know, your parents, your grandparents, their grandparents, uh, and remember your story. So when, and it's interesting how Matthew tells this story. Uh, He goes from, he goes from Abraham all the way down to David, all the way down to the exile in Babylon, and then to Jesus. And from the earlier records, he actually leaves out a few names along the way to kind of make a point he shows a pattern. He shows that in between Abraham and David are 14 generations. Between David and the exile to Babylon were 14 generations. Between the exile and Jesus were 14 generations. Now, why 14? Why was 14 so important to Matthew? Back then, uh, they loved to play around with letters and numbers they would take the Hebrew alphabet and assign a number to each letter of the alphabet. So, you know, the the letter for A essentially was one, the letter for B was two, and so forth. And so in the Hebrew alphabet, in, in the Hebrew language, the name David really just has three letters. They don't have any vowels. Uh, so D, V, D. D happens to be the fourth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. V, Vav is the sixth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and another D. You add those together, and what do you get? Fourteen. The whole list screams, David, David, David! Your king has come back. The Messiah is here. So how do you get ready for a king to arrive? Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are going to be married in May at Windsor Castle. And even if it's a smaller event than uh, Prince William and Kate's wedding, I'm sure elaborate preparations are being made. Uh, It's going to be televised, we just heard recently, and so the whole world is going to be watching this royal wedding. Well, in in the same way, in ancient times, the arrival of a new king would prompt all kinds of preparations in a city. The streets would be repaired and swept. 
The buildings would be painted and decorated. A feast would be prepared. Speeches would be written. And then everybody would turn out in their best clothes to line the streets to welcome the king to their city. Now the question was, would their new king ride in on a war horse wearing a sword? Or would he ride in on a donkey carrying an olive branch of peace? Jesus didn't come with a sword. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, as the prophet foretold. Behold, your king comes to you, humble and riding on a donkey. He came not to conquer or kill, but to be killed and to rise again. Jesus came to be a different kind of king. In his book, Simply Christian, N.T. Wright describes Jesus' life and ministry by saying, The time had now come when at last God would rescue his people and the whole world, not from mere political enemies, but from evil itself, from the sin which had enslaved them. That was good news then, and it's good news for us today. Jesus comes to rescue us not just from our enemies in the world, but the enemies inside us as well. Jesus came to rescue all creation from sin, death, and the evil one. He rescues us from threats outside us and inside us. The evil one, all powers opposed to Christ and ourselves who all too willingly go along with what the world tells us rather than what Christ tells us. Jesus came and will come again to heal, forgive, and restore. In the Lord of the Rings, the the king had healing powers. Even people with terrible wounds revived and found healing when the king spoke to them and laid his hands on them. When he returned in triumph and was crowned king, the white tree of Gondor, which had long been dead, came back to life and flowered. In the same way, Christ will come to restore the earth. We wait for the return of the king of kings and lord of lords. He will set all things right, bring lasting peace, and renew all of creation. Do you know what the, the name Jesus means? Anybody remember? Well, that's one of Jesus' names. Emmanuel means God with us. But the name Jesus, or Joshua, which is what it comes from, literally means God saves. God saves. What a more fitting name the Savior of the world. So what is it that Jesus saves us from? And what is it that Jesus saves us for? Martin Luther talks about that in his explanation of the second part of the creed, which we just read a little while ago, when he talks about what does it mean to say that Jesus is my Lord? Well, this is what he says. Read it with me. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord. At great cost, he has saved and redeemed me from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with silver and gold, but with his precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. 
Christ rescues us from death, from ourselves, and from all the forces of evil. So then, what does Christ save us for? Luther goes on. Let's read. All this he has done so that I may be his own, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead and lives and rules eternally. This is most certainly true. Christ saves us for new life. He saves us so that we can join him in restoring the earth. He calls us to make a difference in our families, our community, and our world. We're decorating our homes and church and town for Christmas. How are we preparing our hearts and lives for the return of the King? Are you ready for Christmas Day to come? Are you ready for the return of the King? Ready or not, Christmas is coming. Ready or not, Christ the King is coming. We have a part to play in the salvation story. N.T. Wright says, the resurrection of Jesus doesn't leave us as passive, helpless spectators. We find ourselves lifted up, set on our feet, given new breath in our lungs, and commissioned to go and make new creation happen in the world. In Christ, the rescue and renewal of all things is starting. Will you join in? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.